2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for Chris as he comes to preach. Father, this morning we put Chris before you. Father, we ask that you would um, strengthen him and encourage him through this. We pray that he would truly be able to speak as though speaking the words of God. Pray that you would put, just build his um, confidence in your word and the work of your spirit this morning. And Father, we pray for ourselves as well that you give us hearts that are open and ready to hear from you and to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's not warm, is it? But fortunately, coldness is next to godliness, isn't it, I think? So, so there we go. Um, I don't know if you know the, the series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In The Hitchhiker's Guide, a scientist invented something called the total perspective vortex, basically to annoy his wife. And this is what the guide says. He was a dreamer, a thinker, a speculative philosopher, or, as his wife would have it, an idiot. She would nag him incessantly about the utterly inordinate amount of time he spent staring out into space, 
or mulling over the mechanics of safety pins or doing spectrographic analyses on pieces of fairy cake. Have some sense of proportion, she would say, sometimes as often as 38 times a day. And so he built the total perspective vortex just to show her. Into one end, he plugged the whole of reality, as extrapolated from a piece of fairy cake, and into the other end, he plugged his wife, so that when he turned it on, she saw the whole of creation in one instant, and herself in relation to it. To his horror, the shock completely annihilated her brain. But to his satisfaction, he realized, that he had proved conclusively that if life is going to exist in a universe of this size, then the one thing it cannot have is a sense of proportion. Now, that's, I think, what we're going to look at today. Um, just to reassure you, curiosity has not completely annihilated my brain. Um, this is relevant to our passage that we've had today and to the topic of how do we cope in the world that we live in our faith-filled fragility in an anxious world. Because we are fragile, aren't we? We do live in a place with lots of anxieties. And far from not needing a sense of proportion, I suggest, it's desperately important that we do have a real sense of perspective, that we have our picture of God and what God does, absolutely enlarged. We need to see the whole picture from uh, creation through to Christ's death and resurrection and the new heaven and earth to come. And we need to keep that overview, keep an idea of this kind of big overarching story over all aspects of our lives. So it's a big picture. Does that make sense? And Paul explores that in this passage. There are so many contrasts in the, in the passage, aren't there, between the present and the future. He talks about treasure and jars of clay, wasting away, being renewed, momentary troubles, eternal glory, what is seen, what is unseen, what is temporary, what is eternal. You get the picture. This is about this overriding message. And the key is that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, also raised us. And that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, this is a hope-filled message. This is a faith-building story. And we see something of our part in God's whole story. And I would suggest that is what can give us strength to cope with the challenges of everyday life. Pottery and glasses and so on are fragile, aren't they? Um, I went to have lunch with Christine's family one Sunday, uh, and this was the day I planned to ask her father if we could get married. I was anxious. Um, I broke not one or two or three glasses. No, I did break three glasses washing up. And the dear man still said yes. Um, we think of Paul as a super apostle. Um, he was the model Christian, the James Bond of evangelists. But in this passage, he compares himself with 
simple pottery that's easily broken like the glasses that I smashed. That's how he felt. Something terrible had happened to Paul before he wrote this letter to the people in Corinth. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was something really traumatic. If you look at the beginning of chapter 1, um, Paul says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. That's where he is. In verse 13, Paul throws in a half line from Psalm 116. This little bit is where it says, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Now that's a reference from the psalm. Paul was a highly educated biblical scholar. He was utterly soaked in scripture. He could have recited the whole of the Old Testament, I'm sure. So this is like, for us, it's like a hyperlink saying, press here for more detail. And if you go to Psalm 116, it's all about someone who is despairing. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. So this is what Paul is dwelling on. This is where he is. Whatever had happened, he was feeling like that. He was like a dry, chipped, cracked clay jar. In many ways, our world today is good, isn't it? Especially in Western Europe, things have never been so good. Key indicators, life expectancy, infant mortality have improved hugely. And it's really important that we recognize that. How fortunate we are, uh, as I think we reflected in our prayers, to live here. But nevertheless, we do face challenges, don't we? The COVID pandemics had a huge impact. Um, we're deeply troubled by the war in Ukraine. We're struggling with the cost of living crisis, with fuel poverty. Um, climate change threatens our very survival. The mental health charity Mind um, says that mental health problems are increasing. This year, one in four of us will have a mental health problem. Children, one in six children, have mental health problems. Mobile phones, incredibly useful, but can be very damaging, especially with young people, all the terrible things that happen on mobile phones. Marriage is stressed. One in ten marriages, no, one in five marriages will end by the tenth year. And despite the overall improvements in health, I'm afraid I have to report that the overall national mortality remains 100%. Well done. We're all subject, aren't we, to disease, accident, death, and so on. So that's enough about being depressing and negative, but that is kind of the world we live in, isn't it? How do we cope with that, with those things that make us fearful and anxious? How does our faith help us? How can we sustain our faith in the face of these challenges? So Paul talked about treasure in jars of clay. Um, I want you to imagine, you must have seen these, 
a little clay bowl. Uh, you could put it in the palm of your hand. It's got a spout for a wick in it. Uh, you can see it in lots of tourist shops when you go on holiday. It would have held oil, and it would have been a lamp, the sole source of light in many, many homes across the ancient world. Can you, can you see what I mean? A little thing like that. And this may have been what Paul was thinking about. We don't know for sure, but Corinth was a, a, a center for making pottery. And they mass-produced lamps just like that. Nothing special. But with some oil and a wick, they made light shine in the darkness. In verse 7, Paul writes, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. What might the treasure be in an ordinary clay jar in Paul? What might the treasure be in you, in me? In verse 6, Paul does something astounding. He takes us back to the beginning, to the act of creation, to Genesis, when we read, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light, and there was creation out of nothing, blinding pure light, shining out of the darkness. And God who did that, Paul says, who made the light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Now that's, that's quite a leap, isn't it? The light of creation is shining in our hearts. And that light is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The knowledge, knowing him and knowing about his death and his resurrection. And that is the treasure that these ordinary chipped vessels can contain. In the depths of his despair, as he references Psalm 116, as he feels the very cords of death, Tangling him. What a horrible image that is, isn't it? To feel like that. Paul gives us one of the most extraordinary statements of Christian hope. We believe and therefore speak because the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us also with Jesus. God who created the world, who said, Let there be light not only raised Jesus from the grave to a new resurrection life, but will do the same for us. This is God's wonderful work of renewal, of new creation. And this is why I suggest Paul, despite his problems, had hope. That's why he can say, although that he was hard-pressed on every side, he was not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, there's nothing to suggest that his circumstances changed, that life suddenly got better for him. Um, his death isn't mentioned in the Bible, but very early church tradition has it that he was martyred in Rome. So his life did not go smoothly. But he had this eternal perspective 
he saw this big picture. And we can imagine perhaps through his prayer life, his deep knowledge of Scripture, his meeting with Christ, that he learned to look at things differently. His point of view, his perspective had changed. He contrasts what is seen with what is unseen, what is temporary with what is eternal. He's talking about the future world of God's new creation compared to the current world. And his understanding of what God has started to do now and will complete in the new creation gives him great hope. Um, A brief aside here, I could talk a lot about this, but Paul is not saying that bodily things do not matter. It's really important you get that. He is not saying that spiritual existence is the only true existence and this life is not important. Okay, that's completely untrue. Look at any of the great um, uh, evangelists, but particularly I was just looking at Simon Gillibo's website, uh, his work in Burundi, Great Lakes Outreach. Yes, they teach pastors. Yes, they preach the gospel. Yes, they see people come to Christ. They build schools. They do health work. They do sports. They do all kinds of stuff just to help people. That's God's work of bringing in his new creation into this world. I could go on, but you see what I mean. This life is important. What helped Paul in the middle of his struggles was to focus, was to focus on the unseen, to focus on the eternal. So a bit like someone in the total perspective vortex. Paul saw this massive, big picture. He saw this huge sweep of God's rescuing activity throughout history, from the light of creation to the cross, the empty tomb, the new creation to come. That is our story, and we fit in to that story. I don't think it's too fanciful to imagine Paul spending hours in prayer, in Scripture, reflecting on his meeting with Christ on the Damascus Road, and of God somehow giving him, with all of that, this huge picture of eternity. And as we face the anxieties that we have, the problems of life, the effects of evil, disease, and death. Perhaps we can be encouraged, um, and I was so pleased, Lydia, that you read this out earlier on as well, to encouraged by Paul's example to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. To spend time with God, spend time in the Word, spend time with each other, praying, encouraging one another to get that big picture. So what do we do with this? What does this mean for us today? Hopefully, lots of the time, all is well for us and we're feeling great. And that's a really good thing. That's how it should be, thank God. But perhaps we need to be wary when things are going well for us, that we don't focus too much on those things that are great in our lives, 
Those are the seen things, the temporary things. And we can focus on those, can't we? And rely on those things when we should be focusing on God. So perhaps if you're a bit like that, you need to get your perspective right. Focus on the unseen. Perhaps, though, you or people that you love are struggling in some of the ways I've mentioned. Struggling as Paul struggled. There is nothing here in this passage to suggest that we should ignore our problems and pretend that they don't exist. But perhaps getting that big overview, seeing the big picture, getting the certainty into our into our hearts and minds, that we too will be raised, that we do have a new resurrection life to come, that can give us a huge source of hope so that we might be able to say, as Paul did, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. 